This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 578, brought to you by Valiant and the all-new Exo Manowar number one, on sale now in comic shops everywhere. And iFanboy listeners just like you. I've got the music in me. Hello, 
and welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 578. I'm Ron Richards, and I'm a legitimate iFanboy host, and I'm alongside <laughs> my co-host, who might not be legitimate, Connor Kilpatrick. Is someone questioning our legitimacy? And Josh Flanagan. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I had a joke, and then I was like, that's appropriate, and then I just stalled. That's uh, I like when I stymie Josh. See, that's why you're yeah, not legitimate. Yeah, you did. You, you totally got me. Anyway, we are from ifanboy.com, which is a website where we like to talk about comic books on our podcast. And every week we pick a stack of comics and one of us picks and determines the pick of the week. We come back here to that this year podcast to talk about that as well as the other comics that come out. We talk about comics that you, the listeners, want us to talk about uh, as active through our supporting patrons. Uh, and, you know, we take some of your emails and hear from you. It's, it's, it's a two-way street here. Uh, no matter what, it's going to be a good time. It always is. But but make sure it remains a good time. Listen responsibly. Be warned that we're going to talk about what happens in the book, so we're going to spoil them. So if you're a spoiler adverse, you might want to slow down a bit. Press pause. So, uh, this week, Mr. Kilpatrick had the pick. Uh, it was rough, guys. I um, it was a, Well, it's a fifth week. So it's, it's a fifth week. Totally Everything right. is thrown yeah. into chaos. You know, DC dumped a bunch of specials on us, and um, I... I finished my books and I I had nothing. And there, there wow. were books there were books that I enjoyed, but there was nothing I read where I was like, "Yes, this is the pick of the yeah. week." And it came down to the book that I picked and two other books that were books I really enjoyed. Um, and it, so then I thought about it. I thought, okay, well, which one of those three do I really, really want to read the next issue of? And yeah. that fell to Unfollow Seventeen. Uh, the the Vertigo series that's wrapping up, I believe, with the next issue, feels like it anyway. I was gonna say uh, it's unfortunate that you really really want to read the next issue and that's the last one. Right. Um, <laughs> this has been we, we've talked about this book a lot. This is one of my favorite books being published. Uh, this may be the last great Vertigo series, even though it's only going eighteen issues. Um, <laughs> it's 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 the only one I read from Vertigo. It's the one that feels like Vertigo. Uh, this one could have been put put out twenty years ago if if social media was a thing. 20 years ago. Or if it wasn't, we'd be like, that's amazing. I bet that won't ruin the world. <laughs> um, and so you've been following the story. It's been about a, a, a group of 140 people who were, who were chosen to receive the money of uh, a dead billionaire who, who, who in this world invented social media. He's eight, he has $18 billion, and they were going to get it all. And slowly but surely, they've all been dying. And the cover of this issue says 40, which is the number of people left alive. But by the end, there's not 40 people left. And this is sort of the penultimate part of the story right so we're, we're wheeling towards the top of the roller coaster and we're going to tip over we tip over the edge of it at the very very end and nowhere to go but but screaming down at this point and uh you know people we've been following along the whole time die uh, i can't tell you for sure i know exactly what's happening especially with the mask that is sort of mystical that the, the rubenstein's been wearing this whole time and then it ends up with our main character in the last page can't tell you exactly what's happening there, but I can tell you that the characters are really interesting. And only eight, with only eighteen issues, I, I feel like I really know the, the handful of main characters we have here. They're really well rounded. The art of, by Mike Dowling is really incredible. And as an old cranky man who has basically dropped out of social media, I really enjoyed the anti-social media screed in the middle of it, even if it was delivered by the villain. <laughs> who, who, so would, who profited from it? Right. <laughs> So would you would you say you uh, you connect more with the villain of the story? I found it a little disturbing. I was thinking about it afterwards. I was like, yeah, I really agree with him. Uh, uh, you know, taking it in its whole social media has been really horrible for society. And then I was like, but wait, he's the villain. But it doesn't matter. He's right. Sometimes the villain's right. 
And uh, even if he he proffered he profited mightily from it, he's still he's still right that it's been a horrible. Listen, thing I'm for still society. I'm still ranting that Magneto was right. So <laughs> join me, Ron, on the side of the villains. <laughs> I think this has been a really fun, innovative, interesting series. It, fe- it feels vital and new, and it it, it carries on through to the last second to last issue. Um, and I really don't know what's going to happen other than the the main guy Dave, who now has the mask and a machine gun, is going to go k- kill Larry Farrell, the rich guy who. In fact, never meant to give his money away to these people and faked his death and and uh, is commanding animals and eating snakes raw. Uh, it's weird, but it's good weird. It's weird right up my alley. Um, what did you guys think of this issue? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely... That it's, was it's, it, Josh. <laughs> that was the week. I, I, I mean, mean, I got to say, I saw that it was pick of the week and I thought, he must have had a rough week. <laughs> but it wasn't that it was bad. No, it's not a good book. It was just, oh, it's another issue of this book. Great. Like, I look forward to it. I like look forward to reading to it. I don't know that I would have, um, I, I don't know what I have to pick out of it that I, I think was really Let me just different. put it this way. I'm really glad I didn't have to write a thousand word essay on this issue. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're on the, yeah, I know you. I, 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 I got you. <laughs> like, five, five years ago, could I have made this the pick? Probably not. Yes. No, you could have. We could have written a thousand words on anything. That's back true. Then. Um, it's true. That is true. But I, I'm in reading this, I couldn't help but think and wonder what the original plan was for this. Right. Because it was right? because really this, truncated. Yeah. Because because I gotta give I gotta give Rob Williams credit for clearly having to deviate from his original plan and come up and start and wrap it up quickly. It's almost like the TV show that's going to end sooner than they had hoped for. So they've got to you know make so the finale make sense. Yeah, it's happening it's on exactly Google right now. Yeah. Um, and 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 the fact that he's doing that and it doesn't feel. I mean, it, I, forced or not forced or whatnot, but it, it definitely feels natu- more natural well, than you would think. There was the one issue where suddenly it was like, oh, everything is the time quickly. But Rob Williams is really talented. We really liked his other Vertigo miniseries, Josh, right? It was that Royal series that he wrote. Um, yeah, no. And he's been around. Like, he's not, he's not new. No. So, I mean, it's almost at this point. Like, if you pitch a 60-issue or 50-issue, whatever, series to Vertigo, you kind of have to have that bailout plan in your back pocket. you got to have a 20-issue backup plan. Yeah, and I think that that, that that should be part of the course at this point. I mean, clearly this probably would have been how it ended, how the journey to get to this point sure. where everybody but Dave is basically dead and he's going to kill Larry is probably would have been a little bit longer. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's a great one-page sequence here where the bunch of assassins kill all the 40, uh, 35 of the 40 people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that could, have been a couple, that could have been a couple of issues, subplot going on. So who knows? But um, at the end of the day, though, I think this is part a really of, great part series. Part of that ma- Part of that mass killings trade. Yeah. It's just, just 64 pages of, oh, one. Oh, they're not, okay, another one. Ooh. Yeah. It's a good, I think this is just a great series, and I haven't, I don't know if it, how, I don't know when the last time I've been able to say that about a Vertigo series. Right. Like, I think this is a legitimately great book. It's more what it represents in, in terms of the legacy of Vertigo yeah. versus the, you know, um, I, you know, the book is great, and I think it could have been one of the good long-running ones yes. because it had it had that right combination of social commentary plus uh, you know our world that we slightly recognize but is a little off. You know, like that. It's it's those different elements that make a Vertigo special so good. Is that you can you could you at least the really classic ones is that you know despite being crazy, you could still picture them in our world. Right. At least for me, that that was my approach, and, and on follow totally hit that hit that mark. 
Um, and it's just a bummer that that we're not getting more of it. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be one that you can point to people. Like, you want to read a good, solid story. Um, and if anything, I I, I want to see. I want to follow the artist to see what what comes he, next. Mike Dowling is really really good. Yeah. Um, I don't want to yeah. see him like on a superhero book. I think he's just really great drawing people. Um, I really liked I liked the Deacon's business card a lot. Yes, yeah, that was good. Do you need saving? <laughs> contact at Deacon of the Lord. Please do not contact if in league with the dragon. I, I <laughs> that's an important caveat. I, love that. <laughs> I, I cannot stress enough because I spend maybe forty percent of my available day turning down Dragon League assassin members. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> um, but it's really just important to note how. Uh, smartphones and social media are destroying the social fabric of our society. Anyway, let's talk about X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Connor is just one step away from moving to Montana in the cabin. <laughs> it's not really awesome. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, Rod, all new X-Men 19 wasn't one of the picks, but I thought we should talk about it first because it leads into the next one. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, All New X-Men number 19, written by Dennis Hopus with art by Paco Diaz, is titled on the cover The Fateful Finale, and is the last issue, and really kind of, and and what is the last chapter of this period of X-Men that we've been in, I want to say, what is it, has it been a year and a half, two years? No, how long is 19 issues in Marvel Land? That's like three weeks, right? Oh, well, they were published this morning. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in, th- in this current epoch, in this mm. era of, of Marvel with Dennis Hopeless and Jeff Lemire and et cetera, I feel I like I really do like miss the time when you could look at the number and say, we've been doing this for 19 months. Right. And now yeah, I just I don't know. know. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole other story. But are on issue 46. It's uh, debuted six months ago. <laughs> and right. right. That's what it seems that's like. a DC book. Um, so, so this the issue did feature a cover by Mark Bagley, which is nice because he was the original artist on the book. I, 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 while I enjoy Paco Diaz, I was kind of disappointed that Bagley's not ending the book because that would have been a nice run. Um, I got to give it up for Dennis Hulpus for just right out of the gate having some meta snark, where uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kid Apocalypse and uh, and uh, I forget her code name, but uh, uh, the character from Kieran Gillen, the creator of uh, I forget her name. Um, the anyway, but they're talking about it and they're saying no more Terrigen Death Cloud, and Kid Apocalypse says no more. In humans vs. X Men, and she says, "Thank God." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just right out of the gate. Oh, so this is what we're doing. First okay. panel. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, but this is really the 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 all new X Men, the original five that are displaced out of time. Uh, Jean has now come back to them, and uh, then Beast brings them together and shows them what he. It's kind of the culmination of what Dennis Hulpers was doing with the side arc of Beast getting access to a mystical uh, device from Doctor Strange, and he was able to manipulate, being able to go back in time, and takes them back to their time, and we find out that. Uh, that they're actually still back in time. They can't go back because they're there. They're there, there. They're there, there. Not it, here, but they're there. It's, it's the multiple timeline conundrum. It's the whole chalkboard thing in, in uh, Back to the Future. Well, no, so but this is, and... this, is a, this is a whole other set of logic. Right, because... they go back and there's, there's an X-Men team there, so clearly the timeline is in some sort of weird multiple broken scenario where they can't go back to what they yeah. think is their timeline. It's very Exactly. Yeah, and 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 while I I respect the desire to have this make sense, yeah. uh, I I question the solution. Uh, it's like because they go back in time and to the point where they were snuck snatched out. So now there's two sets of them. Like it's it's a weird. Well, something mix. has to give, right? Because they can't stay right. here if the timeline to, is to continue. Like if uh, suddenly, right. you know, they kind of live their lives. I I didn't really like this issue. 
No, I did not. I did not at all. So. There were a couple of things I really didn't like. One, I didn't like being reminded of how great the original X-Men designs are and how terrible the new ones are. Um, yeah, no. Two, I didn't like Gene being like, no, Scott, we're never going to be together again. Bye. Right. And then I hated the, anybody want to play baseball just to wrap it up? And they're like, nope, let's have a dance party. It's just like, yep. it's just like, I get it. You want to be cool and hip, but this is the X-Men and they play baseball. And and that's that's really one of the things. So so on top of that, um, I agree with all of those points. I disliked I disliked the just the 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 time travel excuse, the the justification of who they are and how they exist. I dislike the um, the wrap up of the of the story arcs in general. But then I really feel as if Paco Diaz came in, who is a good artist, and yeah, I have enjoyed previous stuff. But he, uh, he's suffering from the thing that we that we heard Scotty Young talk about years ago for you know, um, which is Mark Bagley did a great job of drawing these characters to look like teenagers. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of pages and panels on this thing where Gene and Scott look like adults. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't and, like and, the art either, honestly. Yeah, and they didn't. So, so while I like the art, he wasn't drawing them age appropriate. I thought, um, you know, maybe you know, specifically Scott and Gene. There's a couple of pages that that looked good. That that would be good X Men stories. You know, like it, it was solid Cyclops drawings. And the the team, the the original '60s team in the blue and gold costumes looked yeah, great. That was a good page. But yeah. but they didn't look like teenagers like they have up to this point. And so that kind of frustrated me as well too. And really, what this just pointed out was. Between you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, I'm looking at Angel with the flaming wings from the crossover, the cosmic crossover, right? I'm looking at uh, Iceman with his boyfriend. I'm looking at uh, Young Beast wearing a Doctor Strange mask. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the dance party at the end and the the Bamf and like all this stuff. And I just see all elements that point out to me and really make me wonder what could have been with these characters. And it just feels like a missed opportunity. It feels like the, this particular series, once they put these characters together in all new X-Men and said, okay, they're going to stay here, they're going to be part of it, Dennis Hopeless tried to do something coherent and got you know, the typical Marvel event madness, and it just, it just then feels something that doesn't have the same continuity or flow that, X, that X-Men comics that I fell in love with years ago had. You know, it just I also feels, felt less than the last series of all new X-Men. Yeah. Like, I, really, yeah. We, I really liked that original series with this new, this, the original team being back, and they just, this just felt right. like... A uh, faint echo of of what I enjoyed about that one, right? But they're not going away. They're 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 staying with their own book. Yep. And we talk. Let's talk about X Men Prime number one, which I struggled with making the pick because I did really enjoy it, and I I, I I'm all in favor of anything that sort of starts that is going to be restarting the X Men. Um, right. But ultimately, I felt like the creative teams weren't that strong, especially on the art side. Yeah, and I got, I got, I got, I got issues. It felt, um, it felt very much like they put the B and C team on this, on this. Well, that, well, that's the, th- well, that's the thing is that I don't think, I don't think there is an A team anymore, and that's a, that's a larger kind of issue. But from the get go, I will give credit where credits due. Cover by Adrian oh. Syaf is great. Great like if the, cover. If, yeah. if, if, if the are great in, 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 in the context of today's superhero comics artists. So Ardian, like, Ardian, not Adrian. If. If uh, it, oh, it's not Adrian. What is no, it? A R D I. Oh, look at that. Okay, um, I've been mispronouncing that his entire life. Um, <laughs> he, he can just join a long list of people and places and things. That's fine. Ar- Ardian. Anyway, um, so if it's he almost drawn- an honor at this point, really. <laughs> 
if he had drawn the book, I would have been very much more excited. But instead, yeah. so this was so, and even more so, this was confusing because this was kind of like this is the you know X Men Prime, and it's the glimpse at the future of the X Men as we can see. And it was written by Mark Guggenheim, Greg Pak, and Cullen Bunn, who are all you know like Guggenheim is, uh, is I think is solid. I, They're you know, all like solid did, writers. Yeah, solid, solid, solid writers. Solid to, exactly. solid to very good, but you know right. you're rebooting the X Men. Yeah, no, this you, is, exactly. This is like Joss Whedon time. This is like you yeah. know. And so then, but then on the art side, you got Ken Lashley, Ibrahim uh, Roberson, and Leonard Kirk, who are you know I like Leonard Kirk. I loved in the past. I think Roberson is is an up and comer, and Lashley. I've enjoyed some stuff, not everything. But so you've got three writers, three artists, and absolutely no indication of who's doing what. Yeah. And that drove me bananas. Absolutely bananas. Give me pages. Let me know who's doing what, so I can I can la- I can I can grasp onto something. And you know, gave us a glimpse at what's going to be the you know for, you know the kind of the the uh, glue of the story is that uh, Kitty is being pulled. Kitty Pride is being pulled back into the X Men. Uh, she settled down in Chicago after her adventures with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and now Storm has come to her saying, "Hey, I'm leaving, and you need to lead." And um, in doing so, she's kind of taking stock of where everything's at. And I think anytime you lead with Kitty Pride, that's right because she's the heart of the X Men. So I think that's a good move. Yeah. Um, but the little vignettes of you know the glimpse of Weapon X with Lady Deathstrike and what's going to become Weapon X, which is Wolverine and Sabretooth and etc. And then the glimpse of the young X Men, which picks up from this issue and shows that they're leaving. And then the glimpse of what is I guess to be the X Men, you know, the X Men Gold Team, which is the old, you know, the 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 based in the school, the classic X Men team. Sort yeah, of. this is the book that's supposed to get me super excited and on an excitement level with one being Electro <laughs> and and ten being. Uh, you know, Dark Phoenix saga. Right. Um, and Electro is great. I don't want to undermine how great of a costume <laughs> Electro is. Um, but on an excitement scale, I'm like a six. You know, like yeah. I like that Kitty's back. Wait, wait. I like. Use the scale. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like a bullseye. <laughs> I'm like a six, maybe. Okay. I'm like I'm like a. The scale uh, makes Miller no bullseye. Yeah, I'm like. That's I'm what's like, great about it. I think people at home need to know that we don't understand it either. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's true, and uh, so like I'm like I'm like maybe a freedom force, maybe <laughs> yeah, a brotherhood evil mutants too. Freedom uh, force were not the guys in the house party movies, right? No, no, uh, freedom force was like Blob and Avalanche and Pyro. Oh. Like those are pretty exciting, but like not great, but exciting. Um, but you know, like, and I want to be excited for this next wave of of X Men, and like inside the book, they do not match on the cover. Like the cover is how Nightcrawler is supposed to look, right. how how Colossus is supposed to look, how Kitty is supposed to look. Inside the book, they all look how they ridiculously have looked for the past two years. So I'm hoping we move to what is on the cover. Like I'm, it, what does it say that I'm more excited about the cover than the interiors? <laughs> it says you're an X Men fan, you're Ron. Shallow. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you judge things. So I don't know. Yeah, so I'm like a six. It, it, this, it didn't really, you know, yeah. Well, that's better than, than the past years. Yeah, that's true. We, we've Listen, I've been through a lot of these X-Men uh, reboots. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's never easy. <laughs> but my nitpick was, because it wouldn't be an X-Men discussion without the nitpick, is that so the mansion has been in limbo, right? And we, with the wonder, it was like, what's going to happen? I, I forget, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is dumb. This is actually dumb. And so as opposed to putting the mansion back in Westchester County, 
where it belongs. <laughs> Kitty has decided that it's time for the X-Men not, you know, no longer to be hiding and they need to be out in front of everything and they need to be public again, show who they are, not freaks, not homo superior, but heroes. And there's only one place the mansion can go out in the open, and that's the center of Central Park. This and, was dumb. My question, this was and my question is, not only is it dumb, how is that legal? Right. I feel like the city's going to have a problem with that. Yeah, they I just, feel like there's a, there's a permit involved. They just dropped and, the mansion in the middle of like the softball fields up on 100th Street. And it's just like, you can't do that. Can't a, lot just, of people use, a lot of people use the Great Lawn in Central Park. And I'm not sure they're going to be cool with you living there. In fact, I'm pretty sure Rudy Giuliani already cleaned it out 20 years ago. <laughs> it's... It, it was weird. I mean, I really liked the pages before that where she's like, let's be heroes again. And I was like, yes, let's be heroes again. Right. And then we're going to live in Central day. Park. And I was like, ah, wh- what? It was Dumb. just a weird – I mean, I get the symbolism. They're the heart of New York. But, like, it's just a weird – it's a weird choice. And when you get to the point where you can up and if, – if, if Ileana can up and move the mansion from limbo to reality wherever she wants – like, I want some limits – why don't, you know, why don't they? If if she can put it anywhere, eh, let's be heroes in the in Bahamas. That's a Grand Cayman would be a great place to drop the mansion in. Yeah, let's be Although heroes proper, in, in in Fiji. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or I don't know, just Westchester. I don't know. <laughs> it's worked for so long. Why you can go home again, Kitty? Uh, so. All right. So let's keep the pain train rolling with Liz, Lazarus Twenty Six. <laughs> the pain train. Really? That's third, we're going. We're starting with that. Well, it's it, this was the third. Choice or pick. I thought the the actual issue itself was really fantastic. Um, my problem with what? it was there was a there was a huge delay, and so I had a hard time keeping up with what was happening because this is a very complicated book. And then at the end, he's like, "Yeah, so we're going to be off for about a year." Oh, I don't think I got that far. I started reading the excuse. Oh, you didn't read and all. It was the, like so basically, blame me, and I was like, I don't care. Oh, you and didn't then, read it all. So Michael Lark needs a break. So they're gonna do a they're gonna do a miniseries, a six issue miniseries called Lazarus X plus sixty six, and then they're gonna return with the next storyline. It says next spring, and since we're in spring right now, that means a year from now. But the six issue miniseries in the middle doesn't really sound like a break. Well, he's not drawing it. Some there gonna be other artists drawing it. Oh, 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 oh okay, yeah. Troutman is is co writing. That's nice. So right. like I, it was a little bit spoiled because as much as I really I thought the story was great with the Russian. Uh, Lazarus is awesome. That was we'll talk, great. We'll talk about that in a second. But like having to start and going, wait, where were we? Because this is part five of a story arc, and I don't even know how long it's been since part four. Um, and then at the end, going, yeah, and then we're going to be off for basically a year. It's like, well, this is a book that requires lots of information. It's not like you know a Batman book where you can just jump in and Batman's punching. So this is like there's a lot of intricate politics happening here, and it's really hard. And I'm not blaming them. This, they're doing this out of their own pocket. So, but it's just it's difficult to keep the enthusiasm up for a book like this when you when when you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's happening. Um, that was my problem with it. Other than it's, that, I mean, the dragon was well, awesome. But, but that said, 26 <clears throat> issues. You know, like 26 issues is not bad for a run. You know, and admittedly with Spotty, and a, like this is this is the this is the conundrum, and this is the problem: is that would you rather? not know when the next issue is going to come out and, and waver and have it die on the vine or like be, you know, upfront communicated. I'd know? rather like get six issue trades every six months. That's fair. That's fair. But, uh, the story itself in which, in which the, the, the much heralded Russian Lazarus shows up and just fucks up all the other Lazarus. Cause he's like a giant ogre, uh, was great. 
It was really great. Um, looks like he's eating a baby in one in one part. He's like the scary monster that's been uh, <laughs> that's been hidden in the background, and now he shows up and just destroys all the other ones. And I, what's interesting about this book is like I read the recap page because it's been so long, and you know, as a kid, I loved playing Risk, and my favorite game of all time was uh, Axis and Allies. I loved the sort of global struggle for domination board games and that we had uh, back then. And this, yep. I really love this story. The idea of this story is great. I, I just. I wish he, you know, maybe write a. No- I'd rather love to read it in a novel form or something, but it's just it's really hard. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of if you're yeah. if you're just getting it in drips and drabs. I'll, I'll definitely give you that. I, I I remember looking at it going, oh, has it been a long time? I feel like it's been a long. I started reading and I was like, that feeling of did I miss something or yeah. do I just not remember? This, but I mean, it, you the know, issue it, itself was great though. I mean, this is yep. this continues to be one of the best books. Um, there's a lot of great intrigue here with the you know the the, the family start to come apart. Everyone sort of back dealing against each other, and and uh, Forever is is completely like you know rebelling, and and then the, the great final fight scene between the, the three Lazaruses who are aligned versus the Russian guy who just destroys them is great. I mean, this was a really great issue. It just was, yep. I was bummed with the stuff that wrapped around the issue. It's an ambitious project, you yeah. know, yep. and and. To, you know, we know at this point, like these things never stay monthly, and every time right. they try to make it monthly, it's almost like, like you said, like a you know a three issue trade every six months, or, or just say we're we're gonna do it bi monthly, right? You know, just yeah, just just but, stop trying to chase that that dragon because it's probably not gonna happen. But, but that's it. But that said, the Lord taketh away, and the Lord also giveth, and uh, I, I I love the old guard. Yeah, I wanted to check in on this. The first one was um was pick of the week. Uh, and I, I wanted to see what the thoughts were, sort of on the, on this second issue, a little more explanation. Um, but I, I mean, I can tell Ron, you liked it. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, this is, I mean, this is great. I mean, between Leandro Fernandez's art, which I'm just absolutely loving, which continuing the momentum from the first issue. I thought he, I thought it felt the art wasn't up, up to par of the first issue. Oh yeah, no, I, I and I do pick up on that. Like it, to me, it kind of felt like the uh, you know how the first issue, the first episode of Legion was great, but the second episode felt more like a TV show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it felt, but not not like not totally dropping, but dropped Still a little. Wasn't, That's, it wasn't bad. No, it exactly. wasn't bad. It just exactly. Felt like, exactly. I, yeah. I, I feel like yeah. you know, however long he had to work in the first issue, then he had a month to do the next one, and you could tell. You know, it yeah. just it wasn't as strong to me. This, this, this is still a great book. The art still looked really good. The story's really interesting. We see we learn a lot more about these you know, supposedly immortal people, but there's a lot of pages where I was like, "Ooh, this the level of detail that was in the first issue was not in this issue." Yeah, uh, yeah agreed. But I still enjoyed it. I still think it's it was it, it was damn close to some of the best art that I saw this week. So well, it, especially the other part especially, was, compared to, especially compared to that fucking X Men book. The <laughs> sorry. The other thing I think was that like. It was really such a compelling read mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I, I didn't dwell on the art so much. And I mean that in a good way because, you know, the reading makes you want to keep going. But also, like, he works really well in a storytelling sense with Greg Rocca. I mean, we've seen this before, but, like, those pages, are you, you're, just, you're just flying through it. Um, and not in a bad way, just like, I, oh, I want to see what happens next. I want to know more. I, and I, I really liked uh, the whole sequence with picking up the girl and trying to show her, you know, what she was and why and and how uh, whatever the main character's name is, like, how she's just so over it. It's one. It's one of the situations where I don't know anybody's name, and that's fine. Um, this this totally. It was interesting reading it from the second issue that this could have been the first issue, right? With the the idea with some with some manipulation and some storytelling, but the idea the idea of bringing someone new into the fold, kind of thing. 
I'm you glad know, it just, wasn't. And I'm totally glad it wasn't. Like, I'm glad that the first issue set the plate down, and then the addition of a new person isn't the main thrust of the story. You've got the combination of the fact that now they're running, you know, they're, they're as they said in the book, their asses are out in the wind, right? So, they, they, you know, they've been somewhat exposed, and there's a threat towards them, but at the same time, they've got to deal with bringing a new one into the fold. And I like that conflict and that decision they had to make. Yeah, uh, and, bringing a new one in would have been a little... And also killing off a guy that you said was immortal at the end of the first issue also would have been very standard. Right. Yep. Yeah. Also, though, what was interesting to me was that, A, the threat wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Right. It wasn't some government organization, seemingly. It seems to be was some just some rich dude. Right. Which was interesting. Which, because those are the guys who are going to bring the world down along with social media. Right. But also... <laughs> They have video evidence of this whole thing that happened in the first issue, and he's like, "So what? <laughs> like, I can make that on my computer." Like, it's 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 the right. conundrum yeah, that was where, well done. I thought, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like it used to be, I got it on video. Now it's proof. It's like, well, now that doesn't mean anything anymore. So you need a lot of evidence to prove something. Like, you know, if, if I don't want to get it, but the point is, like, that was an interesting element to it, where it wasn't. It's like you thought they were screwed at the last, in the last, but they're not so screwed because yep. the guy doesn't have enough info. He doesn't have enough evidence. It was really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So I, I'm enjoying it, and hopefully, I mean, issue, issue two. So at least, hopefully, we're at least got another 24 before it goes off the rails. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I want to stress, I'm not blaming any no. of the people behind these books. Like I said, they're doing this no, out, I get out of their it. own pocket, and it's hard. It's, it's very hard. Yes, it's very hard. It's very hard. I don't, I don't, I don't think Fernandez is going to drop off. Yeah, like he's like one of those guys. Like he just, he just does the work, and it's, it's, it's sort of a style that. I think it's um, I don't know. I think he he's never dropped off one of those things. He's they, he's always put them all out. Where like I feel like Lark's stuff is so um, perfect is the word I want to say, but that's not it. But it's just like he's just on the edge of being able to make it, you know, because it's it's so um, intricate. I got it the way that he does it. I don't know. I might be wrong, but um, maybe maybe I'm just looking at it from the terms of, like Fernandez's stuff is is all very a little more impressionistic, whereas like. Uh, um, Lark is is feels very grounded in the real world. It's a lot there's, more. There's like, a lot more research, and he talks about that in his essay. He's yeah, gotta, he's got to constantly be researching equipment and technology and and vehicles and you know, this yep. the old guard is is set in the modern world, so there's a lot less stuff that it's just just yeah but i got i I gotta admit i love the historical element to it i love this the backstories and when people emerged and when they met each other and like all this sort of stuff and so like you take that you know the 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 current day special ops kind of you know like you know the the modern warfare kind of angle to it but you've got the doors open to tell a story from medieval times or from you know whenever i would love a story Um, set in a hokey uh restaurant where you can watch knights fight each other that, that would be fantastic. Is that not what I briefly toyed with saying something like that and decided not to. I went with it. I know. It's, I'm not, I don't blame you. There's no, no shame. It's, it's the unprecedented Josh Flanagan age of restraint. That joke went over about as well as the jokes I've made to the Medieval Times people to their faces, which they don't appreciate. <laughs> I'm sure they, I was just saying, I'm sure they, they haven't heard that before. <laughs> they're, they're trying to go fully method, and you're fucking it up. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Yep. To, to be fair, I, was, I think I was like 23. Well, the other thing I is would, you, I were, do that you were holding a a whole shank right. at the time. And me was flying everywhere as you spoke. Yeah, sorry. To balance Dennis Hopeless's day, um, I wanted to, and I know I talked about this last time, uh, Spider-Woman 17 came out, is the last issue. And I, I talked about that last one, because I was like, I think it's going to be run, uh, running down soon. And I was like, yep, it did, it's done. And, and this was fun, it was one of those sort of wrap-up issues where 
Jessica invited all of her superhero friends over to the house to have a party so that she could introduce them to Roger and their new relationship. There was a slightly out of character Black Widow who was like, fuck this guy. And they got into a fight. But other than that, like it was a really sweet, fun issue. And it ended things again, had that feeling of like, oh, oh, you're done. You're done here. Okay. All right, all right. I guess you've cleaned everything up. All right, thanks very much. You can have your security deposit back. But overall, you know, when you want to talk about the X-Men run where you're you're talking about a, a thing that was sort of interfered with because of the general goings-on because it's an X-Men book, um, right. this had much less of that. He just got to go do his own book. There was sort of a little bit of, like, um, the Civil War in there because uh, Carol Danvers is, is Jessica's best friend, but it, it didn't really mess with it too much. In fact, it actually added a little bit of drama when, when Carol had to show up and, and be part of something. Um, mm. So it's nice. It's it's a it's a really great seventeen issues with with a sort of nice character started in the I think it started before this number one. There was another Spider Woman series before that reboot where this this all started there. But it's a really good like like as I was adding stuff to talk about this week, I was like there really are a good handful of Marvel books that I like a lot, and they're all just slightly left of center. Does it say if it's restarting again at number one at the end? I don't think so. It sounded like they were like this was it hmm. for this. Like, thanks for letting us do this book kind of thing. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah, but uh, definitely, you know, worth... Ron, did you keep up with it? Nope. Every now and then I pause and then I go, ah. <laughs> I really on. like at the end, you're like, I love this Roger guy. He's great. All right. I'll go, maybe I'll go back and read it. Yeah. Yeah, so. it really is worth it. it it's excellent. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, I, I missed I missed one or two and then you know how it is. I so. do. I yep. do. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Valiant and the all-new XO Manowar, number one on sale now in comic shops everywhere. New York Times best-selling writer Matt Kint and rising star Tomas Giarello kick off a brand new beginning for Valiant's flagship character in part one of Soldier, a perfect jumping-on point and the opening chapter of 2017's best new ongoing series. If you've been looking for a place to start with one of the most acclaimed publishers in comics today, this is it right here. XO Manowar, number one, on sale now from Valiant Entertainment, and you heard us talk about it last week. As it yep. was our patron pick, and we all enjoyed it, and we were all yeah. No, it, that, that was that was a wonderful uh, a wonderful uh, synergy of good thoughts around XO Man of War number one by both the patrons, us, and now Valiant uh, in sponsoring this episode. So thank you. Yeah, and it's I mean it is Tomas Giorello is is a revelation, and I've never read an XO Man of War book in my life, but I'm going to continue reading it. It is a great jumping out point if you are looking for one into the Valiant universe. Valiant has their passionate, passionate fans. They do, they do, and I, like we said, they make it's a, it's a great product. It's a, it was, I was very impressed by that book. I'm going to keep on reading it as well too. So you guys can pick it up uh, in comic shops and digitally everywhere. So don't miss out if you missed it last week. Yes. All right. So moving on, Avengers number five point one. This is the Mark Wade Barry Kitson in between the issues kind of uh, telling of classic Avengers stories, and uh, I, I want to know what the hell happened here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about going off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess Barry Kitson couldn't keep up with the schedule, but so you got a, a weird mix. Like, literally, the credits on this book are like nine people, more than nine people. Ten art- artists and inkers involved. Yeah. yeah. It goes from Barry Kitson to Sean is, uh, Isaac C., uh, and then ends with Mark Bagley, which is such a, a drift in style. And it yeah. just was completely jarring and just really kind of bummed me out because I was loving this. Yeah. I didn't even notice it. Wow, I could not see it. I, I, I definitely did. It doesn't. The script to me, the tone, what they're doing, these characters, it's comfort food. And when you get to Bagley, I don't even think I noticed because it just, I was like, oh, that's what Hawkeye looks like when Bagley draws him, when I was totally, didn't know the difference. 
maybe that was a bit of it, but I, I don't care. I don't know why this book exists, but I love that it exists. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> exactly. Same. Yeah. But and if 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 Barry Kitson, you know, whatever needs to take a break so they get them out, fine. The the <laughs> Captain America slaps the lady. I would have I would have like, preferred they had waited another month and had Kitson just draw this issue because this was the wrap up. I know. The run. I, and it yeah, kind of, I get it. for me, it was a big distraction. Well, this, but this is do. the problem with doing the in-between issues thing is that this is going on in between Wade's current Wade and Mike Del Mundo. And so if this goes late, this can't then that, that holds up six. Like this is the gamble of doing this point one bullshit. Well, why does this hold you know? up six? It doesn't it's not related to six. Six could come out. Right. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they, they've chose to go down. They, they, they shot themselves in the foot, basically. You know what, though? Like if it's one of those things, like in order to get this book to keep this book around, we need the issues to come out on this schedule. We'll do whatever. Like, I honestly, I almost don't care. I mean, like, the kits and stuff is great, but, like, I'm showing up for the characters in these costumes with yep. this tone. And not great art kind of goes along with my idea of what the, the books look like. But the problem no, is that as a Kitson as a Kitson yeah, fan, Kitson and fan. Sure. that was one of the things that attracted me to it. I'm right there with you. And that, then the, when the art falls down, I go, "Oh, that sucks." I think that was just icing, though. Yeah. Like, wow, and by the way, great. you also said that bad art goes in time with this time period. Wasn't Kirby on the book at this time period? <laughs> Zinger. Yeah, I, you know what? What I mean to say is is that like yes, walk that one back. Like this is what they looked like from the '60s through the '90s, basically. So. You know, when I think about looking at looking at it in the '80s, if I pull out, you know, '80s Avengers books or something like that, you know, they weren't all amazing yeah, this, and this, beautiful the way that we're used to now. Well, first of all, you had Salbashima drawing most of the '80s, and book was the book looked amazing. But but uh, it wasn't just Avengers; it was just anything. Like I would buy anything that Hawkeye showed up in. Mm-hmm. So, and those were some shitty art. So, like I'm used to not great Hawkeye. It's all like it almost fits for me. At this point, Ron, it's just about the fact that he's in the classic costume, and I totally, totally yeah. am fine with that. But I, I was also on your side, Ron, and I, no, I, I noticed it right away that the art was, was off. Yeah. Which is too bad. I don't care. I, I, like, I, I get it. I, I just love that this book exists. You guys read an infamous Iron Man? Yes. Yes. This is one of those things where, like, again, there's a handful of books that are really, like, these two Bendis Iron Man books are both really fun to read. I really look forward to them. Agreed. I really enjoyed this issue. I like the flashback between uh, Dr. Doom and Reed Richards. I like Doom in the in the armor fighting the wizard. Like this, this was a great issue. This was like this felt like what I want modern Marvel to be like. Yeah. And and, and you're like, all right, Reed Richards. (laughs) Right. He's a person that exists in the Marvel Universe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's satisfying. (laughs) You know, it's 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 a good fit for Bendis. It's really fun. And I want to make sure it's not ignored. Yeah. Although it was a little weird. To see uh, the, the the thing, you know, 1940s Brooklyn, I mean, that Lower East Side talk coming out of a guy that looks like he he goes to Equinox and, they, you know, that flashback is a little off-putting, but everything else, I love, this is a great, this is a fantastic book. Yep. Finally, uh, Old Man Logan, number 20, uh, Jeff Lemire, uh, Felipe Andrade on art. Um I was just wondering a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, how long is Old Man Logan going to go as a concept? You know, especially yeah. in a book, right? And uh, and I got my answer in this issue because Old Man Logan recruits a B-list or D-list villain uh, who sends him back in time, and uh, looks like now we're going to get Adventures of Young Yo- Logan, 
as he sends him back to the Canadian wilderness in the 1800s um, earlier in his lifetime. And it looks as if uh, the next story arc is called Past Lives and the cover is the classic Wolverine uh, first appearance costume. And so forget being old. We'll just go back in time to when you're – Well, they're not going to – I mean, he's, he's old man Logan in the X-Men books still. I mean, True, this, yeah. This yeah, no, but in the, away, yeah I meant in the solo book. Yeah, in the yeah. solo book. So I, I just liked – I mean, I, I'm curious to see where it goes. I loved uh, Andrade's art. Uh, I just thought it was just funny that they're just going to – you know, the, 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 the book is called Old Man Logan, but we'll, we'll go back to when he's younger. Yeah, it's fun. It's, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm it's on fun. the edge. I'm curious because now that Lemire's gone, I wonder what's going yeah. with this book. I thought, all, I thought all the X-Men books were ending and starting over. I guess not. I guess not. Well, there you go. No. Those are the books we wanted to talk about, but if you are a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. And as we said earlier, you can, uh, you can vote on a book for us to include in the show this week by a wide margin – uh, the choice was Booster Gold slash the Flintstones special number one, which was one of the four Hanna-Barbera books that DC put out this week. It was a crossover with a DC character. As their fifth week event, right? And all four books were four of the top five vote getters this week, all four of these books. So you clearly so, wanted us to talk about them. We're going to talk about all four. But first, let's start with the patron pick, which is written by Mark Russell, who's been writing the Flintstones series, which we love so much, drawn by Rick Leonardi, featuring a backup of the Jetsons, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. And so all, just and that, that that was an yeah that was an important thing to note was that all of these specials have a main story with the crossover and then a backup which is a glimpse into the next wave of these Hanna Barbera books. Right. So, so be clever a whole bunch positioning. Of you know. Out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And before we go through all of them, the question I want to keep asking myself is who is this for? <laughs> which we asked, and I think it is appropriate to apply to all of them as I read through them. Some I enjoyed, some I did not. Yeah, I well, do, you mean, do you mean who the who the, who are the future the backup stories for, or are these books, the specific books, these crossover books, these books for? Are yeah. there enough of those people? Yeah, I'm just saying to the listener, keep that in mind. Let's put a pin in that and get to it with the second this book because I think that's more relevant to, for the three after this. Because the, the Flintstones is an ongoing concern; it's it's, yep. a, it's a critical darling, if not a financial one. We love it; it's our favorite book of last year, and I was highly. Excited for this book. I figured this was a pick of the week shoe-in because it's the same writer. And I thought it would be fun to have Booster Gold show up in Bedrock. And it just kind of was a thing. Like, I didn't really... There was a couple of funny bits in here. But overall, it kind of mirrored my feeling on all of them, which is like... It felt like a real big missed opportunity to tell an interesting mashup story. Agreed. I am right there with you, Connor. It felt a little more on the Booster Gold than on the Flintstones. Yeah. And while while there were things in the Flintstones that I love, and the, and I know Josh is going to come, you know, from the other side of this in a moment, so I don't want to steal thunder there. But um, I just felt as if like you had, the, you know, you've got you've got the dial, and on the left side is Booster Gold, the right side is Flintstones, and it was turned a little more towards Booster Gold than I wanted it to be. It's about him traveling back in time, and he ends up in bedrock. Sure, but. There, the but there were a couple of good moments. It has a very specific energy and style and jokiness to it that I felt like was pushed to the background in this yes, issue. Agreed. But there were a couple. There were no, a couple of good moments. They weren't enjoyable things. Absolutely, I love. I love the Carl Sagan scientist character. There was a funny Gerald bit in here. But the, the, the just, booster booster gold wearing the alien's body as a puppet trying to call them <laughs> off was that made me laugh right <laughs> that because was also while while he's doing it there's a panel of Fred looking at Wilma and it's just kind of like what like <laughs> <laughs> no there were definitely good bits in here but overall I when it finished it I was like well that was it like yeah that just felt like a, a missed opportunity well Josh Josh do you want to weigh in pick of the week <laughs> <laughs> I loved this book. Are you yeah. kidding me? I didn't. Those were a waste of time. 
not to spoil where I'm going to go on this. But, I mean, what you're talking about, to me it was interesting because I know that from talking to Mark Russell, he doesn't know squat about these characters. So you give him Booster Gold, and he doesn't, like, he's got no respect for it. It's not even like when Garth Ennis does it. Right. Who, who like, knows everything but really doesn't care. This was just like, okay, I get the idea of this character. This is what's silly about it, and he's poking holes in it. And so it made me laugh with a lot of jokes. There was a. See, I, didn't, uh, I didn't feel that. I would have been fine with that. I just didn't feel like. I laughed. I, didn't I laughed. Like there was it, enough poking at it. I thought it was plenty. I mean, Booster Gold's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, like, in yeah. the world that he lives in, in the future here, is ridiculous. Uh, in he's the always treated he as a joke, on, though. He's a, he's a. I know. He's but I thought it fit really well. I liked, you know, I liked when they got to Bedrock, how seamless and familiar the Flintstones characters were, mm-hmm. which I know. Uh, you know, shouldn't be surprising, but it's not the same artist. It's not the same context or whatever, but it worked for me. I thought the the joke, it's a stupid joke, but where he's go, he's contacting time travelers in other places and they, they keep getting destroyed. And then the one guy, I mean, this was a joke just for me, but Crabulon is going into the Who concert, which in yes. like 1978, was it? It was Altamont. Uh, yeah. In Cincinnati. Yeah. No, Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati, right, right, right. right. The, yeah. the fatal Altamont stampede. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they didn't explain the joke. No, that was, was just like, uh, there were there were definitely good bits in here for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, the thing was, Ron's like, "Do you want to read all four of them?" And I was like, "That's a light week, sure." Oh, fuck me, they're all forty eight pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't know that. And so this was the only one that I was like, "All right, get to the get to the end of it. Come on, let's go." Like I yeah. I, I I just I dug it. I enjoyed it. I thought you know that that uh, animal puppet thing having just well, that, finished that was a good joke. That was a good joke. Dog stuff was was funny. You know, and at the same time, so then you go from that to the Jetsons bit at the end, which was well done by all accounts, but was really like, who is this for? The yeah. self-serious Jetsons story. Yeah, that's this is the problem we had with the other books before the Flintstones, right? Was that it was like, yeah. this felt more like the Scooby-Doo book, the backup, where yes. it's like, oh, so this is a really sort of straight ahead take on the Jetsons. Yeah, This but- to me tells me that DC doesn't know what they have with the Flintstones and was like, let's do more like this. But yep. like people just came, like, it's hard. And this is what, what they came. It wasn't even bad, but I was, who's it for? Right. Well, yeah. let's, let's, let's yep. again, pin that. Let's do our ratings on yep. booster gold. The Flintstones special. Number one ratings, 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 the whole ratings, the whole, the whole, the whole issue as a whole, the whole book. Okay. Four, four. I'll give it a three and a half. I'm going to go three and a half as well. Just because I like the absurdity that it exists, the Booster Gold Flintstone stuff was good enough. Got maybe laugh enough. Maybe would have been a form without the Jetsons. Three and a half is super solid. I was just hoping for a five. That's yeah, all. me too. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with the Jetsons. No, no, no. I'll read the first issue. I'll read the. I'll read the first issue. I'll read the first issue. So the next one, Green Lantern Space Ghost Special. We're going to fly through these because we have a lot to talk about. And with a rough and ready backup. So my with by Howard Chaykin. My question is. This is where I want to talk Who's about. Who is that who for? My, my, that's, my, that's where I'm getting, getting at. Who are these for? Because Space Ghost, <laughs> obviously a, a known property for most people from the, from the Cartoon Network talk show. But like, I'm, I'm of the age where when I watched these cartoons as a kid, other than, so let's just do it with a whole. Green Lantern, Space Ghost, Adam Strange, Future Quest, Suicide Squad, Banana Splits with a backup, Snagglepuss, Top Cat, Rough and Ready. I couldn't tell you who Rough and Ready was if you put a gun to my yeah, head. Yeah, me either. We're actually too young. <laughs> which is ironic. Which is never... Which is I know. The banana splits? Don't know them. 
I, like I've heard of it. I know banana splits. I know. Yeah, banana but I splits. didn't. So I'm like, so reading these, I had the same reaction. Josh was like, I was like, who? Is there enough of an audience who is old enough that they're going to run out and buy a banana splits book? Uh, I, I, we don't have. We're not going to have the answer. But let's all right. Let's focus on Green Lantern Space Ghost, uh, written by James Tinney and Christopher and Christopher Sabella, with art by Ariel Olivetti. Um, who at first I was like, oh, I don't like Olivetti, but then I was the the Green Lantern space stuff looked really awesome. And I'm I was all like, okay. over the place with this. I was like, all right, all right, cool. I'm digging this because it's got a European that European yeah. kind of feel. But then they land on the planet and it's like photoshopped. Uh, was, trees in the background, like that was horrendous, like fumetti bullshit. And then the whole problem is that for me, and this is a problem I have personally, is that I am tainted because Space Ghost is one of my all-time favorite characters, but and it's not, not because of this; it's because of the aforementioned Cartoon Network talk show. And so I can't take Space Ghost real, real, like uh, seriously as a hero, right? right. So you see, I'm a Space Ghost fan from the old cartoons in which he was a straight-up superhero. I didn't ever yeah. watch the cart the, the talk show, so. For me, I actually really this is, might have been my favorite one of the main books. I'm up and down on it. Like I liked a lot about this. Yeah, the yeah. character drawing was great because yeah, the fact remains yep. that Space Ghost costume is amazing. Is the best looking thing ever. Alex Toth. So like that stuff was interesting. Like having these two characters interact was kind of cool. I don't know. I, I was like Ron. I don't know where Space Ghost is coming from. Basically, so. It was hard to figure out how to read it. Like, it was hokey that they switched weapons, but of course they should switch weapons in here. That's fine. You know, like, so that stuff was good. That background shit with the forest was just... It was just, it was just disturbing. And also what annoyed me from a story standpoint was it was the clash, they fight each other, then they've got to team up, we're going to switch weapons, and Space Ghost is going to use the ring, and, and, and Green Lantern's going to use the gauntlets. That all just felt very rote to me. But that's, no, um, that's superhero comics, though. I mean, like, yes. this is yeah, what they no, do. True. So yeah. I, 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 this is my favorite one by far of the yeah. main books. But then, like, the rough and ready backup, even though Howard Chaykin did it, and it was interesting, I was like, I don't know what I'm, what's happening. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Like, I haven't yeah. heard of all the other ones. This, well, that, that that, so like, I vaguely remember Rough and Ready. Like, I don't, I, I vaguely, I couldn't tell you who they are or what they were, but it's Chaykin, and it's, it's basically Satellite Sam in Hanna-Barbera world. There's a, there's a 54-year-old person somewhere. <laughs> this is perfect for. <laughs> and that person is named Howard Chaykin. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I bet Darwin would have liked that. Yeah, I, I think Darwin would have liked this. The Blue Angel, the oh so intimate comic stylings of rough and sex. I was yeah. I was really surprised DC let that one through. Yeah, well shake it. Put Howard Chaykin on it. <laughs> I just I don't I wanted to be at that meeting. I know, <laughs> right? Like I I wanna I wanna I, I wanna praise this behavior. <laughs> yeah, no, I, do. I don't like it. I'm not gonna read it again, but do more of that. <laughs> if if, Chaykin, if wait, by the way, if Chaykin is on this book, if he's writing and drawing it, it ends with the narrator box. Stay tuned, damn it! I'm on board. I'm totally on board. <laughs> well, we'll see. So, ratings, real quick, ratings. Ratings. Four. Ratings. I'm gonna give it a four. Three. All right. Adam yeah. Strange slash Future Quest special, written by Mark Andreco and Jeff Parker, with art by Steve Lieber, with a top cat backup. Uh, by Dan DiDio and Phil Winslade. And so what was bizarre about this issue was it's a direct sequel to the Death of Hawkman story. <laughs> just, just so weird. <laughs> so it opens up with Adam Strange being zapped by the Zeta Beam, which is where he ended up in the, at the end of that. And we see little flashbacks to Hawkman and Despero and his wife 
And then later on, we have a flashback to Despero. There's a shot of him crushing Hawkman's skull. And I was like, this is bizarre. This is a bizarre way to sequelize that story. This is weird. But, but it looked great. Cause Steve Lieber. Great. Right. It was more serious than funny. And I think that it pulled that off better than most of them. I love Birdman. Birdman was always, whenever he showed up on the, on the, the racing show, it was always my favorite. And also, whenever Birdman showed up on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, he was always fantastic. I'll tell you something, um, I love Adam Strange. I do like Adam Strange, and I really like Steve Lieber drawing Adam Strange. I agree with you there. My problem is I don't like the Future Quest characters. And I had this problem exactly. when I tried to read the Future Quest book. Was As much as I love the creative team in that book, I just did not care about anybody in the book. So this was yeah. tough for me, because as, as great as it looked, as much as Adam Strange is awesome, and as much as, as, much as I love it's, Birdman, it's like, I was like, uh yeah, the, the Johnny Quest characters are just are just to me they're just uh, uh, like it's like it's like store brand generic vanilla ice cream. It's right? well done, right? Yeah, don't exactly. Have a connection to the characters, exactly. And so because of that, I just I like. I, by the way, no, I'm I'm gonna I have to praise you for something. Making it store brand vanilla ice cream as opposed to a, a delicious premium vanilla ice yes. cream. That was excellent work. Yes. Thank you. I, 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 that that gets it across, right? It's like yeah. But, you know, totally. yeah. And so, and the thing is, like Jeff Parker, Steve Lieber, some of our favorite, you know, creators. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Mark and Draco. Tying it into the death of Hawkman is just weird. And then it tells a story that really has no impact. It didn't really. It was just an average. Like I like Adam Strange, but it just was like, eh. And then on top of it, it's almost like taking that store brand vanilla ice cream and pouring um, uh, rotten almonds on top of it w- with the top cap back up. Because that was just the mess. I didn't. I this was. The, I actually did not make. It I actually far. didn't. Actually, hate no. It. Did I? This was weird enough where I, I was I like, "What's in my tea?" I'm, like this was like kind of like I'm having a hallucination. It didn't make a whole lot of it, sense, it, but it's 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 just bizarre enough where I I liked it. Yeah, it just it's silly. bizarre. It's, it's top cat talking to Batman in an alley, and you know he thinks he's an associate of Catwoman. And top cat's like, "You guys clearly have a fucked up sex life." And written by the publisher of the company. So, so weird. All right, ratings. Three. 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 Suicide Squad, Banana Splits, number one. Tony Bedard, Ben Caldwell. Well, hang on. Are you, you going to stick with Top Cat? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Suicide Squad, Banana Splits, Tony Bedard, Ben Caldwell, with a snaggle puss back up by Mark Russell, even. <laughs> <laughs> Heavens to Murgatroyd. See, to, for me, this is all about the Snagglepuss backup because I love Snagglepuss. Suicide Squad Agreed. Banana Splits, I could not have cared less about Well, it. here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I started the Suicide Banana Splits issue with, you know, okay, I'll check this out. And then I got to a real low. I got to a real deep low <laughs> where I was like, this is just, this is pushing the boundaries of absurdity even for me. And you guys know I love absurd things, right? Yeah, like, yeah. this is even... And then it ended with the Banana Splits changing their name to Banana Splits with the Z and doing a version of Straight Outta Compton called Straight Outta Bell Reeve. And then I was just like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> they like, turned do they know into- it's, but I'm not sure that they know that it's stupid. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know that they're aware of the Poochieism or not. Oh, it's so poochy. I feel like they have to be. Is it unintentionally so, or is it unintentionally so? It's, it's literal poochy. It's got to be yeah. intentional. It has to be oh, intentional. Yeah. You're giving oh, Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I just, I, if it's not intentional, I can't live in that world, Josh. I have to live in a world where it's intentional. I see, I see what you're getting at here. For my own self-being. All right. 
But then, but then we get to the my, what my my favorite. I think segment of the entire reading experience was the Snagglepuss backed up by Mark Russell and Howard Porter, uh, in which oh, oh my god, I, I cannot be more excited for the series. Snagglepuss is is one of my favorite characters from the old Hanna Barbera days, and he's ridiculous, and he's testifying before the House on American Committee. So it's <laughs> great. Is it going to take nineteen fifty four? Is that when the book? Yeah, is he take said place? that. He said it. They talked about oh, it in the pre press. Is that he's, it's going to be taking place? He's like. It's like uh, he's like an old uh, Southern, you know, writer character in the fifties. I was I, like, I, so were you reading it in the voice of the cartoon yes. character or like adult Slumbo kind of thing? No, in the cartoon character. The combination of the cartoon character as an affected Southern gentleman. <laughs> I mean, like Tommy Lee Jones and JFK. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, like, imagine in my head, it's a mix of Heaven's the Murgatroyd and Clay Shaw. <laughs> And when in the flashback, well, first he meets Augie Doggy and then tells him a story about his first play and how the theater is burning down and he runs in front of the crowd and says, fire, fire, the whole place is in flames even. And everyone just laughs. Like, I was like, this is fucking next level genius shit. (laughs) It's the greatest thing. It's like, it's honestly, it's Snagglepuss as American uh, Oscar Wilde. And I, I... I want to go to bed with it. I want to marry it, and I want to have its children. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And Howard Porter art looked awesome. I love Howard Porter, um, and it's great to see this, st- you know, the style adaption that he's making for these characters. And I- I'm a thousand percent on. Yeah. Board. So the pre-press is he's a he's a gay Tennessee Williams type playwright in the fifties. That's the premise for the book. God, <laughs> the whole place is on the- fire, in flames, even. <laughs> Exit stage left. The Snagglepuss Chronicles. Yes. You know what? Five stars. Five. five yeah. This is, and, and that is uh, that's with the two star at the beginning. And that is yeah. taking into account the handicap of Suicide Squad, but it's not even worth talking about that. Five stars. I want to say that had I had the the choice of pick of the week this week, I probably would have picked this for the backup. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony of pairing this backup with the Suicide Squad banana splits crossover, like someone in DC is trolling. Like it, it has to be, or they have no idea. I don't. It could be either. I don't know. All right, ratings, ratings. Five, five stars. We said five, it. five, five. Yep. Five even. Five even. Oh, he's the best, Snagglepuss. So there you go. If you want to be a, get in on the action of a book on the I just show. Want, I just, wait, hold on. I just have to point out that somebody's like, this Flintstones book isn't working. What should we put Russell on next? <laughs> I, got, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Okay, that'll, that'll shoot the ratings up. Yeah. Like, but your question is, is a very apt one, Josh. I don't know, I don't know who these are for. If it's not us, who? But yeah, it's it's just it's just insanity. It's insanity. We are running so long. All right, so it's, we're, we're, it's just going to go long. So if you want to help us out, pick a book, put a book on the show, Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's also where you can sign up and get your own superpower, which we give every week to, to members of the patron uh, com- committee. The patron committee. Do we have yes. a name for the patrons? This week, Ron starts us off. All right, so we want to thank our first patron, Travis, for supporting iFanboy. And Travis is totally aerodynamic. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. No drag. No wind no drag, drag at, all. at all. So, like, in the wind, when he's running, if he's sitting on a, on the wing of a plane, he is just he, his body just contorts to the point where there's – like, when they do that wind profile in the testing lab, mm-hmm. he's just – he's the, the, at, at, at 100% aerodynamic. Wow. All right. 
Okay. <laughs> Scott Brady, thanks for being a patron. Scott Brady's power is that his packages always arrive at their destination. It's <laughs> not a power. <laughs> it's a power. Trust me. All right. USPS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no matter who he mails it from, no ma- it always gets there and on time and where he needs it to be. Always. All right. I was on okay. the phone for 40 minutes with USPS this morning. Right. Right. Well, there's, there's, by the way, you've spent more time on the phone with shippers than anyone I know in my life. I know. <laughs> so you, it's like, like, I'm not saying that you could have powers, like, but if you have a power, it's the opposite. I do. I'm, I'm his evil I uh, doppelganger. I'm his villain. Scott Brady, you are my supervillain. <laughs> or I'm yours, I guess. Yeah, I think you're you his. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you're his. You don't want, you don't want his packages to fail. <laughs> Morton Sandina. Has the ability at any time to transform into an inert stuffed animal. <laughs> an inert stuffed animal. Yeah. Well, it's like he, he can't walk around. It's like he just he's a stuffed animal. He just like if he gets spooked, he goes poof, and he's a beanie baby or whatever. <laughs> is, just, it, is it the same one every time, or can he change his appearance? I, it can change. All right. I I, I I'm not entirely sure whether it is um, a conscious choice or you know what a instinct like a reflex. Whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more like that. All right. And our last patron we want to thank is Jason Sansbury. And Jason can never get wet. <laughs> he's got he's huh. got a Hogwai? he's got a he's got a protect, protective force field that's about a quarter of an inch around his body. And when it rains or anything like that, it just completely just goes around him. So what happens if he goes into into water, submerges himself? Uh, he he it, the water goes around him. He goes in the water, he but he does not get water, wet. Then? Um, no, he still cannot breathe. It's it, the the force field uh, needs air to pass through okay, it. Okay, final but question. He, yes. uh, from the AP, uh, how does he clean himself? Well, that's the cha- that's the curse. And how does he cool himself? Uh, well, he's got his body's got a natural cooling kind of thing, and if he walks into a room, he's still affected by temperature. You know, like imagine it's this invisible kind of shield that protects from rain, but still is kind of uh, trans transparent or trans whatever enough to pick up temperature. Like there's not a different temperature inside his force field. Right. But Um, is he he rubbing himself with like dry soap? It's a light based cleaning process that he's had to soap off. Oh, he's (laughs) digging. He's digging. Keep him going. So. In a humid environment where the rest of us are very hot and sweaty, He's, because that moisture is not touching him, with no moisture touching you, your skin is going to dry out. I mean, in the winter alone, I'm getting all crackly. All right, well. He must look like Robert Redford right now. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, not Robert I, Redford in 1972. No, 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 no. Listen, I don't have the explanations. This is just what, this is just what the, the paper tells me. I so, see. That's all. Okay. So. All right, so if you want a if you want a, a weird superpower, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, and that is where you can help support ifanboy. We thank everybody who signed up on Patreon. The patrons are the best, and in fact, we if you sign up at a patron level of $5 or higher, you get a stupid pay, uh, superpower here on the show, as well as we also um, have got some rewards. You'll be getting comics and pins and stickers in the mail. Another batch of those are going to be going out shortly, so for you new patrons, thank you for your pat- patience. It is coming. Um, we also have uh, t-shirts are imminent, in fact. In fact, even. Uh, I can't even do it. Um, in the month of April, the iFanboy uh, merch store will be opening, and you'll be, we're going to have a bunch of new T-shirt designs for you. So uh, get excited. 
get hyped and some classics as well coming back. And uh, we also have goals that are set and we are $700 away from our next goal. So let's keep an eye on that. Help us get to the finish line there um, and uh, stay tuned for uh, developments there. But if Patreon isn't your bag, you can go to ifanboy.com slash support. There you can find a link to uh, go shop on Amazon. And in doing so, that helps out the show. We thank everybody who does that. And if you'd like to just give us money directly, you can give a direct donation via PayPal at donate. Oh, I'm sorry. You just uh, go to ifanboy.com slash support, click the donate button, and that will send it directly to us. And we thank you. And we thank any eccentric billionaires who would like to take advantage of that donate button. So Still uh, no takers. So go to ifanboy.com slash support or patreon.com slash ifanboy. And thank you for your help. So we're running long, but we're going to uh, do some emails. And this segment is also called The Airing of Grievances. <laughs> Jeez. Vincent F. from Philadelphia writes and says, Serious business here. Why is Ron so objectively wrong about Emma Frost? As wow. iFanboy's resident X-Fan, I'm disappointed in you. The Phalanx Covenant was in 1994. I wasn't even born yet. She was Turn it off. She was introduced <laughs> in X-Men 129 in 1980. So she was a villain for 14 years, and she's been a hero for 23 she has never really presented herself as much as a villain anyway, for years just running a rival school with somewhat benevolent intentions. Her character development, especially for Morrison, Whedon, Fraction, Gillen, was some of the best Marvel had in years. She and Scott are the greatest couple in comics, and both characters have now been soiled by death and character assassination. She's gone through intense trauma a dozen times over and come out stronger. Turning her into a plot twist villain with, with a cringy 90s costume is a joke. I guess I've subconsciously been brewing this over since I started reading X-Men in the Morrison-Austin days. But Ugh. yes, I've gone back and through all of the Claremont, Simonson, Lobdell, and Nuciasa. But IVX 6 and episode 575 have bubbled it to the surface. Here's hoping resurrection, ugh, will be brighter days. Well, here's, the, here's where you're wrong, Vincent. She was born after we graduated high school. It doesn't matter what you say. No, True, no. That's, a good point. that's a good point as well, too. But here's where you're wrong, Vincent. Emma Frost was a, the fucking white queen in the Hellfire Club. Yeah. You don't Pretty just villainous. turn that around, Pretty right? Villainous. And additionally, 23 years as a hero, she's been barely a hero. She's continued to wear, you know, she's continued to skirt that edge. You never knew where, where she stood. You never knew where she'd be trusted. And in that time where she's been a quote-unquote hero, she's done some pretty fucked up stuff, right? And furthermore, she and Scott are the greatest couple in comics? Yeah, yeah, go go, go read some more Scott and Jean stories for me before you make that decision. <laughs> But that said, I do understand your perspective might be slightly different because of the window of time you're looking at. And I do hope Resurrection will be brighter and at least it's off to an optimistic start, if not a shaky art start. I love the, the dichotomy between the younger and older X-Men fans. The ones who grew up Scott and Gene and the ones who grew up Scott and Emma. And there's just no middle ground. I, I just I just I, that doesn't even make any sense to me. I don't understand how you, you could ever have been excited for Scott and Emma. She was also always like a gray character. Like she's, well, no, no. Gray, yeah, she's gray, a great character. Yeah, character yeah, gray, yeah, she's yeah, never gray, been a yeah. full-on hero. It's just, yeah. anyway. Next email. Gregory B. I doubt the following argument will be convincing to you guys, but I genuinely want to hear if anything recently was contextualized and revealing for anything else other than a toy line. I know a lot of nerds are probably giving you guff for the Power Rangers dig at the end of the Logan podcast because you did a podcast on those G.I. Joe movies. I understand G.I. Joe is a satire with the setting of Vietnam, but there have been multiple toy lines and multiple reboots just like the Power Rangers, so that is why I'm setting the comparison. <laughs> Power Rangers has been around since the early 1970s and has actually influenced goofy American shows in the 80s like the weird laser tag show. Although G.I. Joe has been around since the 50s, if we were to hold a popularity contest that took place in 1997, G.I. Joe would lose. Transformers for life! Your toys are held together by rubber bands! Sorry, the old Transformers vs. G.I. Joe debate. I was a pro-former. LOL. 
I understand that the subject matter of the Power Rangers is goofier in some respects, but they're both products geared towards young children. Well, so first of all, we haven't received any gruff. No, no guff. Ruff. No guff. No guff. All right-thinking people know that the, we were never going to do a Power Rangers show, ever. The Power Rangers have never been present in comics the way that G.I. Joe and Transformers were. Right. Right? And that, that's always been you know, kind of our, our excuse. But Power Rangers are just uh, – they're just not good. We also, I'm sorry. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's not I'm not going to – I'm not going to – it's that we are – we've said this before. We were in high school when they first became popular. In 1997, in the US, we were yeah. in college. Yeah. We, we were not Power Rangers people. We are too right. old for it. So this is, less, this is less airing of grievances and more of younger people yelling at the old men. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, right. look, it just wasn't going to happen. We, right. I, yeah, if you took a popularity contest in 1997, G.I. Joe had not been a cultural influence in like 10 years at that point. Of course they would lose to the Power Rangers. The X Men cartoon was more popular than GI Joe at that point, you know. Right. But but GI but but does the X Men cartoon have a dancing dog? No, no, no right. it's a wolf. Yeah. Does it it's have a, a parrot that talks on Wait, a on a, on a sailor's my, shirt? Hold on. Was it Junkyard or was it Timber? Timber. He's talking about Timber. That's, Timber was dancing oh, so, with Snake Eyes. Timber's a wolf, or yeah, is Timber a wolf. just he's a, a wolf. oh okay? He's, so he's a wolf. Okay, I thought he was more of like a wild. I thought he was one of the more of those Jack London no, dogs. No, Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes tamed a wild wolf. Yeah, come okay. on, Ron. Because Sorry. solely because of his own charisma. <laughs> exactly. He works on see? both wild animals and humans, even if he doesn't speak and you never see his face. And if you ever had to question why GI Joe is always superior than Power Rangers, I would give you that right there. <laughs> but it's important to point out: not a single bit of guff. Only only guff. No guff. guff. You're, from you're the only guff, Guffmeister. Soul guff. Our last email comes from Steve, who writes in and says, in a recent show, you guys, I believe it was Connor, mentioned the new Wonder Woman book and that the book was not as good as expected. I would ask that you try issue 14. I think it was exceptional. Also, I would say that that the even number issues have been better than the odd. I'm sure you're aware of how the book is double shift and dual stories being told in the odd and even number books. I don't intend to unnecessarily add to your pile of reading, but I know you're all Rucka fans, so give them another chance. P.S. Thanks for turning me into the Expanse series. I'm enjoying reading it. Maybe someday I'll watch the show, too. Uh, and you should. The show's been great this season. I don't care about Wonder Woman. Connor, have you, did you read issue 14? Of course. I've read every issue. It's not a very good book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Rucka fan. We, everyone knows I'm a huge Rucka fan. But even when he wrote the book many years ago, I didn't think it was a very good book. I think Rucka holds Wonder Woman in too sacred, and it constrains his storytelling. Right. Which is, it tends to be a problem with Wonder Woman because there's a lot of external influences, and you tend to get really safe with stories. Yeah, they've been telling dual stories, the year one story and the alternating present day story. I don't care one lick about the present day story. I, I, I'm only still reading the book because I enjoy the year one story, although it hasn't been as good since Nicole Scott stopped drawing it. For a little while, I read both of them. Then for a little while, I only read the even stories. And then I was like, ah. ah. <laughs> That's never a good sign. I'm a Rucker fan, but I can say it just, it's just not working for me. It didn't work for me before. It's not working for me now. When, when they announced he was writing it, I was... Not as excited as everybody else because I read that entire run he wrote before and I didn't like it. Sometimes a character and a writer and a reader don't connect. That's okay. Which is fair. That happens. Yeah. All right. So if you have any questions or if you have grievances or if you're a youngin and you want to tell us that we're old, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We always love hearing from you. I don't you. need that more in my life, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't All know right, if it's so- a purpose. 
<laughs> so if you go back and if you look on this feed, this past week we released another podcast, the iFanboy Booksplode, which was brought back by the patrons. See, patrons in action. They, they, we met a goal and we're, we're, we're meeting it. This month, Connor and I talked about The Flash, book one by Mark Wade, uh, which is the beginning of Mark Wade's epic 10 plus year, 15 year run uh, on The Flash. And it was a great time, a great going down memory lane, reading some stories I never read, and a lot of Travis Charest talk. <laughs> yeah, there was. Quick update from that talk. So I've seen that they are up to book three soliciting. So cool. maybe they are actually going to give us the full run, which would be crazy. Full but, run would be great. Yeah. Um, so check that out. That's actually a really fun show. Coming up sometime in the future. Ron is threatening to do a Wilson podcast, which I would love to do if I had the time, but I don't have the time. So Wilson is playing in theaters based on the Daniel Klaus uh, graphic novel. I love the graphic novel. If I can get to the movie and if I can find someone to talk to about it, you will get a podcast for it. And I've got I've got a surprise idea that I think you guys are going to like if this works out. So uh, <laughs> bear with me. Are you getting Woody Harrelson? Yes. Woody Harrelson is on board. No, I'm not getting Woody Harrelson. Then sometime much later in the future, there'll be an Iron Fist podcast with just Ron and I. Yes, eventually. Although Josh started watching it. No, so maybe. Josh and then I stopped. Josh is telling us he's not <laughs> watching it anymore, so he's off the show. Yep. Maybe we'll grab somebody else, but it'll just be Ron and I, and it'll be sometime, if you want to be honest, in May. Late April, early May. It's not going to be late April. It's going to be May. Early May. And then also, if you like movies, keep an eye on this feed this week. You're going to get a little surprise. That's all I'm going to say. Right, Josh? Hey. That is right. You would see that if you went over to iFanboy.com where you will find this podcast and all our other podcasts. And you can uh, talk about the show underneath there and, of course, read and, and look at and listen to all of the things that we have done over the last – I've lost track of the years, but it's a lot of 17. them. Uh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so you can go to Facebook.com slash iFanboy. My whole life lasts before my eyes. You can follow uh, at iFanboy on Twitter and find out what the pick of the week is before that show comes out, the one that you're listening to right now. 17 years or shortly after Vincent Neff from Philadelphia was born. Oh, God. Jeez. It's crazy. You, you can – I can't. How am I supposed <laughs> to go on? You can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at Ron XO, and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. Just leave a star rating if you want to write a review. That's easy to do, and it helps us out, helps people find podcasts, helps people know if the podcast they want to find is any good or not. And that's how we, uh, we spread the love all over the world. So thank you if you do that. Yes. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this extra-long uh, fifth-week episode of iFanboy. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh even. Josh even. <laughs> hey. Exit stage left. Exit podcast end. Even. Wow. What they said. Do it. Sandwich. Sandwich. Wow. Hey.